Chapter 23 of The Life and Adventures of Peter Wilkins, Volume 2, by Robert Paltick. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 23 At my return to Sassdorp Swangianti, I went directly to the king, and giving him an account of the settlement and my proceedings thereon, he told me his whole kingdom would not be an equivalent for the services I had done him. I begged of him to look on them in no other light than as flowing from my duty, but if, when, I should be no more, he or his children would be gracious to my family, it was all I desired. This, father, says the king, I can undertake for myself, but who's to come after me nobody knows, for I shall never marry. No, Jakob Bors has given me a surfeit of womankind, and unless the states will settle the kingdom on you, to which I will consent, it will probably be torn to pieces again by different competitors, for I am the last of the line of Bergserbeck, and of all the blood royals, and indeed who is so proper to maintain it flourishing as he who has brought it to the present perfection. Great sir, says I, my ambition rises no higher than to abound in good deeds whilst I live, and to perfect my children in the same principle, and this, I hope, will entitle them to a support when I am gone. But, says I, why is your majesty so averse from marriage merely on account of a woman you could not expect to be true to you? Not expect it, says he. What stronger tie upon earth could she have had to be true than my affection and all that my kingdom could afford her? Weak things all, sir, says I. Why, what could she have had, he said in some warmth. Honor, sir, says I, and virtue, both which she abandoned to become yours, and those once lost, how could you expect her to be true? You are too hard for me, father, says he, but they are all alike, and I don't believe there's a grain of honor in any of them. In any of them like Jakobors, I admit, sir, says I, but think not so of others, for no part of our species abounds more with it, or is more tender of it than a good woman, and take my word for it, sir, there is more real sincerity in an ordinary wife than in the most extraordinary mistress. We are all biased naturally by interest, and as there can be but one real interest between the man and wife, so the interest of a mistress is, and ever will be, to accommodate herself, for is all one to her with whom she engages, so she can raise but the market by a change. Now, if your majesty could find an agreeable and virtuous wife, one deserving of your royal person and bed, and perhaps with a kingdom for her dowry, a partner fit to share your cares as well as glory, would it not be a great pleasure to you to be possessed of such a mate, and to see heirs arising under your joint tuition, to convey down your royal blood to the latest posterity? Would not this, I say, be a grateful reflection to you in your declining years? Truly, father, says the king, as you have painted it, the prospect could not fail to please, and under the circumstances you have put it, it would meet my approbation. But where is such a thing as a woman of this character to be found? 
I fear only in the imagination. Sir, says I, after a seeming muse for some time, what should you think of Anaweski, the king of Norban's daughter? He has but that one child, I hear. Dear father, have done, says his majesty. To what purpose should you mention her? We but barely know that there is such a state. We have never had any intercourse, and besides, as you say, he has but one child. Can you suppose she will ever marry to leave so fine a kingdom and live here? But, sir, says I, now we are supposing, suppose she should, with her father's consent, be willing to marry you. Would you have her for your queen? To make any doubt of that, father, says he, is almost to suppose me a fool. Then, sir, says I, her father has consented, and she too, and if I durst have presumed so far, or had known your mind sooner, she would, I believe, have ventured with me to have become yours. But you might have slighted her, and crowned heads are not to be trifled with. But since you are pleased to show your approbation of it, I can assure you, sir, her person will yield to none in your majesty's dominions. For, sir, I have been there, and have seen her, and she is your own, and her kingdom too, upon demand. Father, says the king, looking earnestly at me, I have been frequently, since I knew you first, in doubt of my own existence. My life seems a dream to me, for if existence is to be judged of by one's faculties only, I have been in such a delusion of them ever since, that, as I find myself unable to judge with certainty of any other thing, so I am subject to doubt whether I really exist. Are these things possible that you tell me, Father? I then told him the whole affair, and advised him by all means to accept the offer, and marry the princess out of hand. His majesty, when I had brought him thoroughly to believe me, was as eager to consummate the marriage as I was to have him. But then, whether he should go to her or she come to him was the question. I told him it was a thing unusual for a sovereign to quit his own dominions for a wife, but would advise an embassy to her father, with notice that his majesty would meet and espouse her on the frontiers of the two kingdoms. The ambassadors returning with an appointment of time and place, it was not a month before I had settled Stygie on the thrones of Sassdorp Swangianti and Mount Alco, with the reversion of the kingdom of Norban without a competitor. I shall here give you an account of the marriage ceremony. The king, being arrived on the borders, Stygi, who had waited but a few hours at the last village in Norban, advanced to his majesty on the very division, as they called it, of the two kingdoms, a line being drawn to express the bounds of each. The king and Stygi, having talked apart from the company a little space, each standing hand in hand on their own respective ground, the chief Ragan advanced and began the ceremony. He first asked each party aloud if he and she were willing to be united in body and affections, and would engage to continue so their whole lives, to which each party, having answered aloud in the affirmative, "'Show me then a token,' says he, 
and immediately each expanded the right side of their grundees, laid it upon the other's left side, so that they appeared then but as one body, standing hand in hand, encased round with the grundee. The ragan, then having descanted upon the duties of marriage, concluded the ceremony with wishing them as fruitful as Paragon and Philella. So soon as it was over, and the gripsacks and voices had finished an epithalamium, the bride and bridegroom taking wing were conducted to Brandlegorp amidst the acclamations of an infinite number of Georgetti's subjects. The king had made vast preparations for the reception of the princess Stige, and nothing was to be heard or seen but feastings and rejoicings for many days, and his majesty afterwards assured me of his entire satisfaction in my choice of his bride, without whom he confessed that notwithstanding the many other blessings I had procured him, his happiness must have been incomplete. Intending another flight to Norbon, I was charged with the king and queen's compliments to Anaweski, which, having executed, I opened a free trade to Mount Alco, and hearing that small vessels came frequently on the Norbanese coast to carry off the iron and other metal from thence unwrought, and paid part of their return in wrought metals, I ordered some of the next that came to be stopped and brought to me, and the day before I had fixed for my departure, notice was sent that twelve of those traders were stopped and in custody at the seaside. I longed to see them, but then considering that it would take up more time to bring them to Apsilo, the capital, where I was, than I should take in going to them and returning, I resolved to go and examine them myself. They told me they traded with small vessels to Norbon for metals, which they carried home, and wrought great part of it themselves, sending it to and dispersing it in several islands at a distance, and also sold the unwrought to several people who carried it they knew not whither in great ships. They said they kept abundance of hands at work in the trade. I asked if their artificers wrought it for their own profit, or their masters. They told me for masters, themselves being all slaves. And are you all slaves, says I? They told me, yes, all but one, pointing to him. I then ordered him to be secured and removed, and told them if they would procure some hands to settle at Norbon and Mount Elko, they should all be made free, have lands assigned to them, and have other privileges, and I did not doubt in time would become the richest men in the country, for I understood by them they were acquainted with the use of money. I asked them what other commodities they brought to Norbon in exchange. They said clothes for the people, both what they received in exchange from others who bought their iron, and some of a coarser sort of their own making. I found in my discourse I had with them that out of my eleven men there were persons of four different occupations. So I promised those who would stay with me their freedoms, good houses, and other rewards, and sending three hands home with the vessel and a full freight according to the value of the cargo they brought, I ordered them to engage as many as they could of their countrymen of distinct trades to come and settle with me, and to be sure if they had any grain, corn, roots, 
plants or seeds usually eaten for food to bring all they could get with them, and they should have good returns for them. And as to those good hands that settled here, they should be allowed all materials to work for their own profit the first year, and after that they should also work for themselves, allowing the king one-tenth of the clear profit. This took so far with them that it was with the utmost difficulty I got any of them to carry the ship back, for fear they should not be able to return. Before I parted from them, I assigned the eight who were left all proper conveniences, and recommended them to the king's protection, and I ordered the owner, then in custody, to be conducted to Mount Alco, and from thence to Brandlegorp, where, treating him kindly and giving him liberty, I made my proper use of him. The king, having lent me a convoy to conduct my prisoner, and given me a license for as many cattle of the sorts I chose as I pleased to drive to Georgetti's dominions, I made them drive a great number of sheep of the finest wool I ever saw, and very large also, a great number of creatures not unlike an ass for shape, but with two upright horns and short ears, which gave abundance of rich milk and also some swine. All these were drove to and distributed at my new colony, where I let them remain till I had provided a proper receptacle for them at Dorp Swangianti, near the woods, when I brought many over the Black Mountain and distributed there with directions how to manage them, and in about seven years' time we held a little beast market near Brandlegorp twice a year, where the spare cattle were brought up and preserved in salt till the next market, for I had some years before made large salt works near the sea at Mount Alco, which employed abundance of hands and was now become a considerable trade. We had iron, copper, and silver money, which went very current, and had butter and cheese from the farms near the woods, as plenty as we had the fruits before great numbers of families having settled there, and there was scarce a family but was of some occupation or other. By the accounts I received from the mines from time to time, it was prodigious to hear what vast quantities of metals were prepared in one year now by little above one-third of the hands that were usually employed in them before. For now the men's ambition was to leave a good week's work done at their return, for an example to those who were coming, and the overseers told me they would sing and work with the greatest delight imaginable, whilst they pleased themselves with telling one another how they intended to spend the next fourteen days. End of chapter 23